Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, pop stars often have a shelf life. They have a hit, they become famous, perhaps rich, and then there is sometimes an inevitable decline. But what happens to them after that? Well, this is the subject of Nick Durden's new book, Exit Stage, Left to the Curious Afterlife of Pop Stars. And Nick joins us. Now, Nick, how are you today? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I am very good and very happy to talk to you, Nick. I, I've really enjoyed this. I, I've been I've listened to it um, on an oh. aud- audio book on my walks, and good. what a fascinating uh, insight into the, as you say, the afterlife of of pop stars. Where, where did yeah. the idea come from? Oh, well, I've been interviewing bands for years now as a music journalist, so I got to interview them over various stages of their career, and I realised that they got. I suppose they got more interesting as they went along simply because everybody's life gets more interesting as it goes along because more things happen to us, good and bad. It's a bit of a roller coaster. And because pop stars live a life in the spotlight to a certain extent, they have to deal with it publicly. And I kind of thought it was really interesting to to ask them and to learn what it's like not to release your debut album, but your third album or, you know, even your 33rd album. What, what What's it like to live in an industry that moves so fast and sometimes can leave you behind, you know, what What then? A fascinating idea, it really is. And it's funny, What? 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 as I listened, I wondered, did they think what happened to them was a good thing? Did, you know, in general, did they come to you and say, ah, oh, no, no, you know, because it's, I think people say it's one of the harshest businesses in the world and often these are quite gentle um, people yeah, getting involved are. in it. Yeah, and the industry's not particularly kind to it. I think it's probably getting better now, but it doesn't necessarily nurture the talent simply because it moves so fast. It always knows that there's going to be a new Adele around the corner, another Beyonce, another Beatles, another U2, whoever. So a lot of them found that they got left behind. And my sense was that they, they only realized that their time had come and gone when they were told or when they were suddenly dropped, sometimes by fax, sometimes by text, you know, they wouldn't necessarily get told face to face. But what was interesting was that many of them were quite philosophical about it and thought, you know what, I didn't really like being famous in the first place. All I ever wanted to do was record albums and they continue to do so sometimes for for years and decades. And if they were lucky enough to have you know, a, a kind of good shot at the, the spotlight initially, then they very often will have fans for the rest of their life that will sustain them. There, there was a wide variety of outcomes, I'm glad to say. Uh, yeah. all, all gambits really were, were covered. Um, so some of them, I mean, there were some cases where it would end up in kind of drug addiction and you wouldn't really know whether the drug addiction was going to have been there anyway or whether it was their kind of yeah. slot under the headlight that kind of brought it on. Yeah, I got the sense that sometimes it was exacerbated because a lot of these people just found that they had this kind of God-given talent of being able to write songs. But it's a different thing to play them in front of 50,000 people a night. So yeah, there are some people in the book who the only way they could face this crowd or face the scrutiny of the press or fans or anything was to inoculate themselves with with drugs and sometimes that seemed to work quite well for them you know a band like the happy mondays seemed to find that drugs opened doors of perception if you like others like the punk the the british punk act the only ones that was their undoing and they didn't really recover from it and the singer peter Parrott didn't recover from it for, for many decades but even when he finally got clean he found out that music was there waiting for him 
Thank God for that. Um, there yeah. were also others, and you have to say the harshness of what comes next. It's it's almost like a public spectacle when when your band has gone wrong. And S Club yeah. Seven's Paul Cattermall, I think, tops this list. Uh, yeah, well, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I didn't want to tell any kind of you know particularly sad stories. I wanted them to be optimistic because I came away from all of these interviews, kind of reeling in admiration for them because they're quite a tenacious bunch of people, and I realised it was because dared to follow their dreams you know not yeah. many of us do that and haven't come true so i think if you've had your dream come true at the age of 21 it probably sets you up quite well for the rest of your life and as you you know mentioned paul catamore was an interesting case he was you know i think pop stars have it the hardest you know because they're on that kind of pop conveyor belt where they do get you know by the time they're 21 they're old hat and they're you know s club seven were replaced by s club juniors and paul catamore's career has for at least for the time being gone an interesting way he thought he would leave the band and become the next robbie williams and that didn't pan out so he tried the solo thing he tried writing for other people he reformed with some of s club seven to become s club three or s club four and the last I heard from him after having interviewed him for the book, he's now an online medium. Uh, you know, I suppose whatever gets you right. through the day, yeah. that, that's his, his bag at the moment. But he's dabbled on, in reality TV as lots of people do these days. Um, he had but, harsh experiences, the, the going on yeah. the Women's Hour TV and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was yeah, hard not, going. Not great. Basically, all, he'd lost all his money. So, yeah, yeah he was... Uh, Tried yeah, he to sell his Brit Award. And the, the, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I've, I think I found this for those who are in music or... You know, it's almost reassuring in a way to find that some of the really big names, the, the tide moves out on them as well. Yeah, and they don't seem to mind. Robbie Williams was someone, and also, you know, bands like Franz Ferdinand and David Gray, who also wanted to be famous, then realised that it wasn't necessarily for them. So Robbie Williams obviously was in Take That, and, you know, he will tell you very freely that he had an ego that constantly needed to be refueled because he was full of self-doubt. But now he's in his mid to late 40s, married with four children. I think it's been about six years since his last studio album. I know there is a, a greatest hits coming soon. But he needed to be on stage as much as he hated being on stage because he needed that validation. In a previous generation, someone like Robbie Williams would have crashed and burned. But I guess today's pop star are increasingly learning from yesterday's. So Robbie has finally taken time off and found this equilibrium that I think probably not many people saw coming. And he's painting, and he's he's in a he's in a biopic of his of his own life uh, story that's coming into the cinema soon. And he's he's doing things his way now. I think he wants to do more Saturday night TV because he feel he realised that he's done everything he could possibly do within pop music. So it's now time to to have a bit of fun, I guess. And I suppose he's earned it. Absolutely. I was very taken too that it, it was quite a small number of people who moved away from the business completely. Yeah, it's interesting. I I I realise that those who do leave music find that music calls them back. So. You know, one of the people I spoke to was Natalie Merchant from 10,000 Maniacs. And she just said, you know, this is just not for me anymore. I didn't want to be marketed. I didn't want to be felt like I was a product. And she had huge success all over the world, first with 10,000 Maniacs and then as a solo artist, and then decided to give it all up and become a, um, a teacher of arts and crafts for underprivileged kids in New York. And then within six months of me having written the book, 
she announced the comeback. So oh. <laughs> even her, he said, oh, she God. said, I look at Bob Dylan and I look at Paul McCartney and I think it's not for me. I'm not going out on the road anymore. Yeah. And she is in 2023. So people can't leave it alone. And, you know, Bob Geldof yeah. is another example. He fed the world and went on to become yeah. um, an entrepreneur. And he's back with Boomtown Rats and said he's never been happier. Yeah, I remember once I interviewed him years ago and I said, Bob, if you're walking through an airport and they stopped you and said, what are you on your passport? What are you? He would say yes. musician. Musician. Yes, absolutely. And of all the things he's done, and you think, no, this is the thing that defines him the most. And I think that was a common thread throughout everyone. If you're lucky or gifted enough, as I said earlier, to be able to do this, why would you ever fully walk away? Um, why indeed. Nick, it is, it's a really great read. I, I loved it. Oh, thank and, you. Thanks and very and much. I hope lots of other people join as well. Nick Durden there, author of Exit Stage Left, The Curious Afterlife of pop stars it really is a great read that is it for today my thanks to the team Simon Tierney uh, Sinead Keogh Claire Collins and Michael Quilligan here on up next The Hard Shoulder I'll be back with you tomorrow have a good evening Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.